You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. So good to see you all this morning. If you're listening via podcast, we want to say hello to you as we are concluding this sermon series entitled Priority Mail. We're in part eight, so we've been camping out here for quite a bit, but this whole series is looking at the book of Revelation and specifically looking at seven letters that were sent to seven churches back uh, some 2,000 years ago. However, these letters were also designed for us today. And for a while, and still true today, Revelation is one of those books that people are very intimidated by. It's a very intimidating book because it uses a lot of prophetic language and apocalyptic kind of imagery. And so there's a lot of symbol and it's kind of confusing at times. But it was also written as a congregational letter, which means that people like us were coming together and hearing the preaching of this word or the reading of this letter And they were able to understand it right away and apply it to their lives. So the question is, what is it that God would have for us in this letter this morning? We're going to be camping out on Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. And this morning, I believe, I truly believe that this morning's message has the capacity to change someone's life. I really believe that this is a kind of message that you should leave this place fully encouraged that there is something great that God has designed for your life, that God has got a lot in store for you and for me. And it is just encouraging. So it's one of those messages that it's very easy to preach because I just love encouraging the church. I love passing on a good message that will encourage your life. And hopefully you'll leave here this morning with a little extra kind of pep in your step, so to speak. But I'm going to read it first in its entirety, this letter, and in this section of letter, it's to this church of Laodicea. And we're going to talk all about it, but I want to read it in its entirety to you first, and then we're going to unpack it and all that God has in store for us this morning. Let me read. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither, hot, n- neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. It's encouraging so far, yeah? Okay. You say I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. We're still looking pretty encouraging at this point, yeah? I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. Amen. I have entitled this message, Priority Satisfaction. Priority Satisfaction. 
The church, they, they come together and we come together every once in a while. And when things get kind of chaotic and need some clarity in the world around us, we kind of create these statements that are really helpful in helping us know things about God or about the church or about the way we are to be living as people. And they're like creedal kind of a statement. And if you grew up in the Catholic church or something of that nature, then this is something that's something you know, pretty familiar to you. But if you were to go to Google right now and type in, what is the chief end of man? And I have talked about this before in prior sermons, and the reason I do is because it's just so perfect. I think it really encapsulates what it is that is the purpose of a, of a person, of us. What is our purpose? What are we supposed to do? Who are we supposed to be? What is the chief end of man and mankind? Well, it's to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's that statement. If you go to to Google, this is pretty cool. What is the chief end of man? It's kind of specific, I understand. but So it would come up as to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I, I see that as kind of twofold. To glorify God means to give God our life and to, to do a kind of specific work for God, and which is glorifying to his name and glorifying to him and satisfying to him. And then there's just pure satisfaction in God, that we are to be pleased by God, that, that we are to find our satisfaction in God. And why is that? It's because God, he really wants us to be satisfied. He wants us to be truly satisfied. And for some of us here in this room, satisfaction is one of those things where it's like, it's really hard to grab a hold of. It's really hard to find true satisfaction because in life, we kind of go down a lot of different avenues looking for satisfaction, whether or not that's really in the forefront of our mind, like walking around like, I'm looking for satisfaction. Here's my milkshake, and I'm gonna go drink that. Or I'm looking for satisfaction, let me go and date this person. Or I'm looking for satisfaction, let me do whatever I can to amass as much stuff as I can. I'm looking for, it never really quite happens so explicitly like that, but the truth is we're looking to be satisfied as people. And so the question this morning is, if there's this God in heaven who really what he wants for his people to truly flourish is to be satisfied in him, true satisfaction, the question we need to first ask ourselves is this, where is my satisfaction today? Where am I being satisfied? Where is my satisfaction? And then another question to ask is, where can I find true satisfaction? Because I know some people are here in this room and they're in that room over there. We're kind of together though, aren't we? I like that we've changed. We used to have the stage right here and we would all look at each other kind of weird. So this is a much better layout because now we're all together. But so many of us here in this sanctuary are looking for satisfaction and true satisfaction because maybe you were looking down this avenue or that avenue or this person or this profession or that promotion or that substance and you are just finding that you are unsatisfied. So then the question becomes, where can I find true satisfaction Does that kind of satisfaction, like a true satisfaction, a satisfaction that that I can have where I am never in need or in want of finding satisfaction somewhere else, does that even exist? 
Because I'm very sympathetic to the person who is saying, this sounds like a fairy tale. If you're suggesting that there is a satisfaction, a true satisfaction that exists, this sounds like a fairy tale. Because in my environment in which I live, it is impossible to be satisfied. The workplace that I find myself in, the people around me are so toxic that there is no way that I can be satisfied. My family situation is in ruin right now. When I was a kid, I've gone through X, Y, and Z. I cannot find true satisfaction. Life has dealt me a hard hand. I have received a terrible diagnosis. I cannot find satisfaction. And maybe you've gone through life so long and so far that really the outside pressing in has been so difficult that you start wondering whether you're even deserving of true satisfaction. Or maybe you have a history or a past and you have a lot of regrets and it's like, I, I don't think that I even deserve true satisfaction. Am I worthy of such a satisfaction, a true and satisfying satisfaction? I'm using satisfaction a lot, am I? Does such satisfaction even exist? I am very sad. I'm very sympathetic to the person who is here and who is having a hard time with the satisfaction thing. Because I know that it can be pretty elusive. It can be pretty hard to grab a hold of. But I'm hoping that the breath of heaven fills your lungs this morning and that your heart is lifted here in this place. Because regardless of what has happened around you or what you're telling yourself from within you, there exists a word from God this morning which is an all-authoritative word of God for us this morning. And there is nothing but encouragement. And in fact, and in case we needed some sort of validity to the word or to the message in which we're going to receive this morning about satisfaction and a true kind of satisfaction that is available to all people, regardless of your past, your present, or your future, God wanted to kind of help us know the validity of such a statement or such a claim that such a true satisfaction exists at the beginning of this letter to the church of Laodicea and in turn to our church here this morning if you are here and hearing these words. And that is this. These are the words of the amen. The faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. Meaning that what you are about to hear is tried and it is true. These are the words of the amen. Do you know what the word amen in the Greek originally meant? It meant the verified truth. This is the trustworthy person speaking here. Verified, true. What you hear this morning is something you can take to the bank and rely on it and it not be some sort of elusive or fake kind of news that you're receiving. This is coming from the amen, the verified truth, the one who can speak. The faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation, the one who has ordered the stars, who controls the tides, the one who has set it all in motion, who is fully in control. God, the creator of the universe, is speaking a word. And it's a word that we as people need to hear this morning. And it's a word that is all too often easy to forget 
And I'm thankful to this amen and to this true witness of God, this ruler of creation who has called us to remember something that could change our lives this morning. It all starts with this church in Laodicea and water. (laughs) It starts with water, which is kind of what you wouldn't expect. Because the question is, where can I find true satisfaction? Does true satisfaction even exist? What does true satisfaction practically look like in my everyday life? It starts with this concept of water. We're talking about this church in Laodicea, and Laodicea was a city that was very affluent. They had a lot of money. They had acquired a lot of wealth, and their their commerce and commercial industries were very booming, and it was like a hot place to be. They had a lot of money, and they had... This wool was like their main export kind of a deal. Like we here in America, we have a lot of really good things that we ship and we, and we gain a lot of money from as a country. And this church at Laodicea, they were very affluent, very, very rich. But one of the things that they were really lacking was water. They had trouble with water. They didn't have any good water. In fact, they had a six-mile-long aqueduct from the south that transported water to them. And it was a kind of a terrible situation for them because here's this awesome and amazing city that was very affluent, seemed to have it all together, and they had like all the riches, other cities, and people would look at these people and say, man, do I only wish that I had what they had? But what they were really lacking was this necessity of water and good water. They were surrounded by other cities that were known for quality water, which is, this is something that we take for granted, I know. It's kind of hard to relate to in that way because water, you can just flip on a a faucet and we have water. But imagine not having clean water. And from the south, they would have to, six mile long aqueduct, they would have to bring water in just to survive. And so the hot water that they would bring in would really end up being really lukewarm and not very useful and kind of gross. Like when we went to Beach Escape, which is our Nexus event on the beach, it happened just a couple of weeks ago. We're in Cape Henlopen State Park in Delaware. The days are like 178 degrees. It's like a thousand degrees out there on the beach. And we have these water bottles that, man, I'm thankful for water. So thirsty. This water sits on the beach. It's baking in this like container and I take a swig of it after like jumping around frolicking in the waves and getting smashed around. I'm so tired. I'm thirsty. I take a drink of this lukewarm water. It's like, it's just, it's just unsatisfying, (laughs) you know? It's just, and maybe you guys know what I'm talking about, but same thing with the cold water. They would want cold water. They would try to bring it in and it would become very lukewarm and terrible. In fact, (laughs) Their water and the quality of their water, if you read the commentaries on the water of their, that they had, it would induce vomiting. It was just that terrible. And so it's a real problem, the water situation, Laodicea, and it's a reality that the city would have known quite well. And God has a word for the church of Laodicea, and It involves the question of, does true satisfaction exist? There's a God who wants us to be truly satisfied. What does that look like? And what did this God say to this church in Laodicea? And what does he want to say to us this morning as it pertains to water? Revelation 3, 15 through 16. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot, 
I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. This is hard, and it's a little cryptic. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. And if you grew up in church at all, you will have read this Revelation account. And if you were like me, you would have thought God was saying to this church at Laodicea, who seems to have gotten a little idle. That's what the truth is. And it says that God wants them to either be hot or cold. I wish that you were hot or cold, but instead you're like this lukewarm water that you have, which induces vomiting. You're lacking, church at Laodicea. You're lacking a true kind of satisfaction and a true kind of usefulness. We get a a view here and a glimpse into this true satisfaction when we look at the word usefulness. Because God is saying that you are not being very useful where you are. You have all of these things, yet you are not being super useful. I wish that you were either hot or cold, but instead you are lukewarm. If you grew up in the church, then you might have heard this passage before. And if you were like me, then you would have thought God was saying, I wish that you either believed in me with all of your heart and that you were hot on fire for me, or I wish that you were like just not even into me at all, that you were just cold. That's not what the scripture is saying. Both hot water and cold water had their purposes and were good things. And what God is saying, I wish that you were useful. I wish that that you were fully living up to the calling in which you have received. I wish that you were rising up to the honor of being useful for me and my kingdom. This is what God was saying. But instead, you are lukewarm. And your satisfaction is lacking. You're lacking a true satisfaction. And the scary thing that we're going to see in just a moment is they weren't even realizing it. The church at Laodicea was kind of living the high life And thinking that they had reached the pinnacle of true satisfaction. But in reality, here's God saying, no, no, no. You're neither hot nor cold. You're not being useful at all. You're like lukewarm. In fact, I wish that you were hot or cold or useful because I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. (laughs) You're lukewarm. And I'm thankful to God because he sees things that we don't see. It's easy to fall into traps and, and, and into the smoke and mirrors of satisfaction and fake and false true satisfaction. But I'm thankful for Jesus because Jesus, he knows the true temperature of our satisfaction. When it seems like I have reached a certain plateau in my satisfaction, I'm thankful that there's a God who knows that there's a greater satisfaction available. Here's here's the problem with the church at Laodicea. Real explicitly, Revelation 3.17. You say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Wow, that's actually really, really harsh. And when you read this at first glance, It's very obvious, you go straight to the negative like I would too. I read this passage and it's like, church, you've got a problem right now. And this is true. The church was finding their self-worth and their satisfaction in the things that they have gained. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and you don't need a thing. You think that you've reached this point of, of real satisfaction, but in reality, 
You do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And of course, the negative is you're putting all your faith and your trust in these things, but really what you need to do is, is, is turn to God and find your satisfaction there and in him. But here's a real positive for you. Very sympathetic to the person here because maybe you're here and, and you are not truly satisfied and you're searching and you're hungry and there's something lacking in your life and you're like, man, I just need this true satisfaction that we're talking about. If I can find my purpose and my destiny and my meaning in God, oh, that is so attractive to me because I am here and I have felt the hard blows of life. I have been struggling. I can't seem to find it. I can't grab it. And then there's some people here who you feel that you have reached the pinnacle of satisfaction. You're at the top of your game and maybe you don't call on Jesus as your savior and you're here and you're like, none of this, I don't even need any of this. Because I'm experiencing the good life. Things are really good for me. I'm at the top of my game at work. I'm bringing in the biggest paycheck. The 401k is looking pretty substantial. I'm, I'm doing good. I'm really good. There is another level of true satisfaction for you. There's another satisfaction for you that can, oh, that can bring you beyond where you think you are. There's a satisfaction in God that 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 trumps all other satisfactions, even when it seems that you have reached the top, there is more for you in God. Just when you think that you have realized and have reached true satisfaction, right when you think that there can't be any higher to go, there's this God who, who wants you to be truly satisfied in him. And he has no limits. He has no lid. The problem with the church at Laodicea is that they were just so engulfed with the temporary. And the problem with being engulfed and focused on the temporary is if you let it, it will compromise the timeless. God is all about the timeless. We as people, we get so fixated on the temporary, but God is up to something cosmic. God is up to something timeless. We think that we have reached the pinnacle of our existence when we have reached certain milestones in our either relationships or workplaces, but God is up to something way beyond. And the truth is he wants us to be involved in it. God wants us to glorify him with our lives and to enjoy him forever. God wants us to find our satisfaction in him and to experience all that he has in store for us. If we have a temporary focus, we will have a temporary satisfaction. If we have a timeless focus, we will have a timeless satisfaction. I love the way C.S. Lewis says it, Christian author, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. Oh, I love this next part. We are far too easily pleased. <laughs> we are far too easily pleased. 
What God has in store for our lives is way beyond what we could contrive or think of on our own. What God has placed for our steps in our path is far greater for our satisfaction and for our impact than we could ever take or make on our own. God wants us to do something in this world. God has not designed us to live a lukewarm life. (laughs) Maybe you've experienced a, a lukewarm life where you feel like this church at Laodicea where all around you, you see these people who are maybe even in the church and you're like, man, God is using them in in awesome ways and I just want to be used by him in that way and here I am, I'm just not, I'm living a lukewarm kind of a life. God has not designed a lukewarm life for you. God wants you to put a dent in the brokenness of this world. God wants you to move beyond the self-centered life to the selfless life, and he wants you to impact others. God wants you to be a part of his timeless activity, not caught up in the temporary nature and fixation of our cultures. God wants you to make a very lasting impact, not a short-lived contribution. I find this wildly attractive about God. That God, he takes what I think is good and he blows it up to say, no, 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 I've got what's best in store for you. And really it has to do with our satisfaction and how it's tied specifically to our usefulness. Satisfaction and true satisfaction in God exists in our satisfaction and our usefulness for him. Our culture and our tendency is to become so fixated on ourselves like the church at Laodicea who said, you say, I am rich. I have acquired the wealth and do not need a thing. So me focused. God wants to turn the lens off of ourselves and onto others and he wants us to impact their lives. There is no greater satisfaction than to see someone else find life in Christ. I can tell you that from personal experience. It's okay to clap about that. (laughs) God, he, he wants you to be a part of something beyond yourself. God wants you to be a part of a cosmic story, a trajectory of a fixing of a broken society in a broken world. That's what God is up to in the world. Everyone here, whether you call on Jesus as your Savior or not, we recognize that the world is a broken place. The world is is not as it should be. Things are not as they should be. And what God finds in his pleasure and his satisfaction is using his people to be a part of the solution and not the problem. Literally a solution. It is so easy to stand before all the problems in the world and to say, what am I going to do about this? What can be done about this? There is nothing that can be done about this. No, no, no. God wants to enable you with his resurrection power to be a part of the solution of the problem. And as you take those steps in being useful and used by God, oh, do you reach a new pinnacle of existence and satisfaction. God has got something for your life beyond what you can grasp with your two hands in this temporary culture and temporarily fixated culture. When we glorify God in our usefulness, we are truly satisfied. And God, he wants to see you 
and use you in his timeless activity in the world. Some of you, that's hard to believe. Because maybe you've received the message throughout your life, whether it be explicitly and people saying it directly to your face, which I know there are people here in this room where this has happened, or just through a series of events, you've come to believe that there's no way that God could use a mess like you. Maybe you have a specific kind of a past that you're like, no, 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 I am too dirty, I am, I am too useless for God. Oh, God wants to use you. God wants to blow up your vision that you might see clearly. He wants to take that mess in your past and he wants to use it as your testimony for your future. And he wants to bless someone's life through it. Jesus is all about redeeming brokenness and using brokenness for the good of the world and for the good of his activity in the world. You are never beyond repair with God. You are never beyond the possibility of true satisfaction with God. You are never beyond true usefulness and being used by God. God has got a plan for you. God is not done with you. Any lie that says otherwise is from the devil. God has got something for you. If you go to him, he will show you. That's the truth. <laughs> okay, I'm on board. You've convinced me. <laughs> what do I got to do? What do I have to do to receive the true satisfaction and to realize this full life that God has in store for me? where I don't have to be like this church in Laodicea where they're lukewarm, but I want to be hot for God. I want to be cold for God. I want to be useful for God. I want to be that cold cup of water for someone when they're going through the heat of life. I want to be that warm and hot cup of water for someone when they're going through the coldness of a relationship or a loss. I want to be used by God in these ways. What do I have to do? Real helpful, Revelation 3.18 says this. Here's what I want you to do. Buy your gold from me, gold that's been through the refiner's fire, then you'll be rich. Buy your clothes from me, clothes designed in heaven. You've gone around half naked long enough and buy medicine for your eyes from me so you can really see. What's God saying here? Is he saying that really we need to you know, take out our, like, does this mean that when those offering buckets come around, I need to drop $10 in and that's how I buy, buy gold from God? No, no. He was speaking the language of the church at Laodicea, kind of coming down to their level who were so used to grabbing a hold of the temporary fixations of the world and wealth and money and, and those kinds of things and putting their stock in those things, no pun intended. Well, God says, you're used to buying real money and gold and, and all of these worldly things. You are storing for yourselves up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. They're temporary. They are not lasting. They can be used, but they are not the end all. What are you to do? You gotta turn to me. Instead of looking to this money for your sustenance. You need to look to me for your sustenance. Instead of caring what the culture thinks of what you should do and how you should perform your life, you need to look to me and how I have dressed you and what I have available to you. The world tells you how you should see satisfaction. What I'm saying is you need some medicine for your eyes from me to see where true satisfaction comes from. 
Matthew 6, 25. Matthew 6, 19 says this. Do not store for yourself up treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermins do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The problem is... <laughs> The temporary nature of things is so easy to grab our attention, but what God needs is our full attention. And when we give God our full attention and we put God at the forefront of our life and of our time, of our energy, of our resources and put him in command and control of it all, then we find a true satisfaction in him. And then we cannot help but step as he has called us to step because God will send you. God will reveal to you the work that you are to do in your workplaces and in your family and among your friend groups. God will start growing within you a care for a broken world that you did not otherwise have and he will send you to crazy places. But there is this problem that we have as people of fixating on these temporary things instead of the timeless, of finding satisfaction in things other than God, which are ultimately going to fall flat for us. is because we're a messed up people. The Bible calls it sin. We have this propensity and this tendency to always turn to that thing which isn't going to truly satisfy us. Oh, it is such a problem and such a burden that we cannot release. And it's such a big problem that the Bible tells us that the penalty of that desire and that sinful nature that we have on our own is death. We are to die. I cannot think of a less satisfying thing than just dying and staying apart from true satisfaction for the rest of my life. There is... Oh. Jesus, he recognized that we had this problem and that we couldn't fix it on our own, so he came to give us a way to true satisfaction, which is true usefulness. Jesus, he came from heaven to earth and he died for us, and he died for you and for me in our place when we deserve death. And death couldn't hold him down. He rose from the grave and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And when we put our trust and our faith in Jesus, when we put him at the forefront of our minds, in the forefront of our hearts, which is our entire mind, body, spirit, when we fix it on God and we make him the goal and finding true satisfaction in him and not these other temporary things, when we have our eyes fixated on the timeless, if we believe in our hearts that God has sent Jesus, he has come himself, God is man and he died for us, and that he rose three days later from the grave. When we put our faith and our trust in Jesus, whoever believes in Jesus, John 7, 38 says this. Oh, you gotta write down this passage. John 7, 38 says this. Whoever believes in me, in Jesus, as the scripture has said, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation, Verified truth. When you put your faith and trust in him, whoever believes in this Jesus, just as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of not lukewarm, not cold, not hot, living water. Living water. This is cause and reason to celebrate this morning, church. God wants to use you to bring life to other people. God wants to use you and he wants to bring life to your dead circumstances. 
Jesus is the living water and he wants to come into your life and fully satisfy you, a kind of satisfaction that exists even in the darkest times of your life. When death and illness will still exist, you will find that God is still truly satisfying you. And that satisfaction becomes your testimony, which becomes your usefulness to those around you. God wants to use your story to touch someone's life. He wants to be living water through you and through your heart. God wants to take that dead past of yours and he wants to spring it to life to bring life to someone else. You are never beyond repair in the eyes of Jesus. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, not lukewarm, living water will flow. I want to invite the worship team to come up this morning because oh, it's so appropriate that this is the final message of this series, Priority Mail. Some of us here in this room, and I am so sympathetic to it, have prioritized other areas of life and things in life and people in life, and we have find them short and wanting. And I love this message. I love this text. I love this series because it helps us to remember what the priority ought to be. We need to prioritize true satisfaction. We need to prioritize true satisfaction. Temporary satisfaction. Temporary focus equals temporary satisfaction. Timeless focus equals timeless satisfaction. What we need to do is prioritize the timeless. We need to prioritize the true satisfaction. And the true satisfaction comes from one singular source, and his name is Jesus. Maybe you've had people in your past jack up Jesus for you. Maybe people haven't represented him well in your life, in your past, from a prior church experience. Maybe you flipped on a TV channel or watched a YouTube video, and you saw someone say something about Jesus that wasn't true. I'm sorry for that experience, but what I beg of you is to come back to the true Jesus. True satisfaction doesn't mean an easy life. True satisfaction means a worthwhile life, a useful life, a sometimes uncertain life, sometimes a scary life, sometimes an uncertain life. Sometimes in that life, the people who you love most like won't be able to relate to you anymore. It's a costly kind of a life. But it is true satisfaction. And there is no greater end for a person, for you or for me. The chief end of man is to glorify God with our usefulness and to be satisfied in him forever. We're going to have a great time this morning of responding in worship. And in just a moment, I'm going to invite the ushers to pass around the elements of communion, the bread and the cup, which represent the, the body which was broken for us, of Jesus coming and dying in our place and dying a brutal death on a cross, hands nailed, beaten for us. 
and his blood representing that new way and that new way to true satisfaction that we could not get on our own. A new covenant that was made available to us in Jesus' blood. There is always hope in Jesus. You don't believe it? Verse 20 says this. Here I am. Not here I was. You missed it. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus is your way to true satisfaction and true usefulness and true impact in a broken world. Here he stands, knocking for you, which means it doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday or even this morning. Jesus, he knocks and he wants you to open the door that you might experience life and flourishing in him. True satisfaction. It is always available. We are never beyond repair in the eyes of God. And to the one who is victorious, to the one in a broken and messed up kind of a world and who stands at the ready, always ready to be used by God, true satisfaction in God, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Prioritize true satisfaction. Give Jesus your all, away from the temporary and onto the timeless, that you might experience true satisfaction in what it means to be used by God. As I pray this morning, we're going to distribute the elements, and we're going to do something a little different this morning. I want to encourage you to take a moment, and on your own, we usually take it together when someone leads us through communion, and I just love that. It's amazing. But this morning, I want to encourage you to take a moment and pray to God on your own. Hold that, that cup and that bread and, and consider what it is Jesus has done for you and the life that he has made available to you and to me. A life of true satisfaction and usefulness. And I would invite you that if you call on Jesus as your savior to feel free to take one of those pieces of bread and a cup and as we respond in worship this morning, sit and pray and ask God to help you with this true satisfaction to find your true purpose and usefulness for him and his kingdom. And when you're comfortable, if you would then just stand and let's sing out to God and praise for what he has done for us. Jesus, we thank you that you've created a way to true satisfaction in a world that is so difficult. We thank you that you have provided and you have paved the way to true satisfaction. We want to be used by you, God. I pray that you would direct our steps that we would make the most impact for you and your kingdom, all to the glorification of your name, that we might be satisfied in you forever. Hear our worship and prayer this morning. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www dot riversideconnect dot org